This episode is brought to you by AG1. AG1 has become one of my favorite parts of my morning routine. I love to wake up, throw on a podcast, and add a scoop of AG1 to about 8 to 12 ounces of cold water, shake it up, and sip on that while I make my coffee and my breakfast. It's super refreshing and it tastes really good. I look forward to it every morning almost as much as my first cup of coffee, which for me is saying a lot. With every daily serving, I'm setting myself up for success with 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity throughout the day. I think of it as all-in-one nutritional insurance. I like to eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition, but it can be really hard to get fresh fruits and veggies, not to mention organic, when you travel to some of these remote climbing areas. I love knowing that every time I drink my AG1 in the morning, my day is covered. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com nugget. That's drinkag1.com nugget. Check it out. This episode is brought to you by Rocky Talkie. I love these things. I never thought I'd go back to using radios in the year 2023, but these things are awesome. Here's the deal. We all have phones, but sometimes phones aren't very helpful. Let's say you're climbing a multi-pitch or you're backcountry skiing or sitting on a chairlift and you don't want to drop your phone in the snow or you're mountain biking and it's a pain to stop and get your phone out or you just don't have service. Phones are not always the best option. The best way to communicate in the backcountry is with Rocky Talkies. I've actually been using these for bouldering. I often record interviews in the morning and I go climbing in the afternoon and I wanna meet up with my friends and the Rocky Talkies have been awesome when I don't have cell reception. The max range on these things is 25 miles and they typically work up to one to five miles in the mountains and backcountry terrain. I haven't tested the range on these things, but so far they've always worked with zero issues, even in rocky areas like Waco. I've never had a problem. So check them out. Get 10% off your first pair of Rocky Talkies by going to rockytalkie.com slash nugget. That's rockytalkie.com slash nugget for 10% off your first order of backcountry radios. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. My guests today, there are two of them, are Joey Jansen and Rich Bruner. These guys have launched a brand new climbing hold company, Ocelot Grips, which we talked about quite a lot in this episode. And we talk about who these guys are and cover their resumes in the episode, so I won't share that here, but these guys are both friends of mine. Joey was the head root setter at the Ben Rock Gym, and Rich was the manager of the gym for several of the years that I lived in Bend. So I saw them quite often at the gym. I really respect both of them for their craft. They're both very good at what they do. And now they've come together and started a hold company and they're building something really cool. So it was super fun to connect with them again. I was just in Bend for a friend's wedding and we got to catch up and I got to hear about their business and share the process with all of you. I think if you're interested in building your own business, or if you're interested in indoor climbing with root setting, with gyms, and how some of the behind the scenes stuff works, 
I think you'll find some nuggets in this episode. Let's dive in. Please enjoy this wide-ranging chat with founders of Ocelot Grips, Joey Jansen and Rich Bruner. Nice. Yeah, I can hear I can hear the light a little bit, but I'm just gonna cozy up here with my little friend. <laughs> hey little guy. You guys comfortable? Uh, physically, mean, yes. I, I want I want to like, emotionally. I'm having some stage fright at the moment, but you know. Ooh. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. What are you drinking? <laughs> Whatever <laughs> you what am I drinking? Let's see. Square. Thanks to you, That's Joey. Dented Peach can lemonade from, from Grocery Outlet. Square Mile Cider. Ooh. Let's see. I'd like to personally make a shout out to Polar. Polar. For keeping me hydrated. <laughs> How is it? Are you, it's great. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, it's delicious. It's pretty sweet. I think yeah. if I I think if I drink this whole thing, this is a 19.2 fluid ounce can. Got it. 6.2 <laughs> alcohol by volume. If I drink yeah. this whole thing, I'm going to have a hangover, hangover for sure. Yeah. Not quite a four this loco, very... but it's, uh, you know, not far <laughs> off. <laughs> this is like a two and a half loco. Two and a half loco. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, throw some caffeine in there. <clears throat> yeah. Oh, God. Cool. Okay. We sound great. Good great. job. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> are you guys feeling good? Ready to, to roll? Yeah. Um, I want to start with something that you and I talked about last night. It was the first time I'd ever heard about this, and I have to hear more. Underground hip hop. Oh, you started. Boy. You started a business <laughs> oh, boy. that had something yeah. to do with underground hip hop. Yeah. yeah, we were. Tell me about that. We were some young, goofy kids in high school, and uh, a bunch of my buddies and I. We got into underground hip hop. We grew up in a little town. We grew up in Truckee, California. So we kind of discovered in high school Bay Area underground hip hop and partially like the music was really cool and it's like never really heard anything like it before. So we got really into that. And then <laughs> it was also the cool thing as a kid, like being an underground hip hop. I can remember like our friends being like, oh, you listen to Zion I like kind of thing. Like it was this like kind of exclusive thing, totally mm-hmm. antithesis to what that was all about, like underground hip hop, I should say. But yeah, anyway, we were... My first year of college, we came home and a couple of my buddies were like, what would it be like if we like produced our own show? So we all got small loans and... Uh, How old were you? I was 19. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we started this little production called, company called Elevated Mind State Productions. <laughs> and yeah, we produced every summer, we would come home and we'd produce an underground hip hop show for the community. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. It was like a giant party. We had like three or 4,000 people show up each year. Wow. Yeah. Damn. At the local amphitheater. 4,000 people? Yeah, at the local amphitheater. How did you find bands yeah. or artists? We'd reach out on like MySpace. <laughs> like, yeah, this was, yeah, I mean, Facebook had like just started. So we'd like reach out on MySpace. Um, you know, you'd look up phone numbers and emails and things like that. And mm. um, yeah, it was kind of cold calling and you know they were looking for gigs so they didn't really i think once they met us they were like whoa this is who we've been talking to the whole that must have been a trip for them i have some like pictures with like zion i'm like this little 19 year old kid and he's like six foot three big dude you know out of out of oakland like Uh, standing next to me and you know my mom comes over and shakes us you're so thank you for coming up and doing a show with my boys and this whole it was (laughs) 
very embarrassing moment for for us. But yeah, that was kind of my first uh, entrepreneurial ven- uh, venture. Was, mm. uh, doing a, some underground hip hop shows in my hometown. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. How how long That's did you hilarious. do that for? Uh, we did it for three years, <clears throat> like every three, summer. Three, three summers, yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys were all in college, and we'd yeah. come home and do that. Yeah, like during school, we'd kind of brainstorm the next show, the next lineup, and start getting our graphics and promotions together. And it was cool. It was a great, great learning experience. <laughs> like, did any did any artists or shows blow your mind? Like, I can't believe that that person actually is here, and they came. Zion, I was amazing, unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I like never. I'd like listen to every single song, and then to see them live on stage 10 feet away from me like playing a show was unbelievably cool and we got to have people under the stairs one year too and brother ali so that was you know those are kind of like some who's some who's who of like the underground hip-hop scene that's awesome and they come out and yeah we had mers one year too i got to pick up mers from the airport we hung out all afternoon i like showed him my hometown (laughs) took him to lunch it was like the wildest thing in the world looking back on it so yeah crazy sweet do you have any past careers that I don't know about <laughs> past uh, entrepreneurial ventures well I mean it wasn't a really a big money maker but it did used to cage fight <laughs> you used to cage fight this is incredible uh, yeah <laughs> you've uh, ever seen him suplex me on the on the floor downstairs <laughs> yeah I mean I I wrestled in high school and in college and then uh yeah freshman year in college one of my freshman teammate somebody came into our wrestling room and wrote on our uh whiteboard like hey anybody looking to cage fight call this number and we were like let's do it (laughs) and so yeah we called him up and did this fight at the medford armory and uh he lost and i won wow yeah and i did like three other fights after that what like is this like bloody no rules just like hitting each other in the face sort of cage fight thing? i can't believe i'm talking about this No, it's like it's I like, like to start my like, podcast by establishing credibility with my guests, mm, and then we roll into you know uh, their business ventures and why people should buy their product. Yeah, this so. is very credible. <laughs> no, we it was like UFC rules. You know, there's there's four ounce gloves. There's referees. They, you know, you, you know you could tap out or submit or whatever. Obviously, you can get knocked out as well. But um, yeah, I don't know. It was it was wild. I was like nineteen, Damn. And twenty, and. Uh, yeah, it was fun. It was the <laughs> scariest, one of the scariest things I've ever done. That, I bet. That first time going into that cage and they just like shut it and locked it. And uh, it's just like an octagon. Yeah. But damn. Yeah. You're just staring at this other very angry man. No, actually, <clears throat> that guy was the nicest dude ever. We hung out, we hung out later that night. We went to this party and he, we like, we were all like, I had like a black eye. He was like bloody lip or whatever. And uh, he was just, dude, thank you so much. And like, he was, it was wow. super respect, respectful. <laughs> it was, it was a sport. It wasn't like a fight. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, That's cool. I mean, it's, it was fun. Was that pre-climbing for you? No, I mean, I, I grew up climbing. I, I've been climbing since I was like five. Okay. Um, just doing little top ropes and stuff around Portland. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, and then I climbed all through middle school and high school, and then um, yeah, I took a little bit of a break in college um, when I was wrestling and doing all that. In um, cage fighting. Yeah, and then <laughs> yeah, no other uh, ventures um, that are that notable. Well, I'm glad I asked. 
<laughs> this is you my know. this is like my favorite thing about the podcast. I mean, I've known you guys not very well, but you know, I mean, I lived in Bend for seven years. Yeah. A lot of that was overlapped with both of you. I don't know if the whole mm -hmm. time was, yeah. but I just get to like catch up with two friends and like get to know both of you guys yeah. better because I've always interacted with you in the context of the climbing gym and sure. I talk to you about setting and talk to you about how the gym was going and mm -hmm, your mm -hmm. family and stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's a fun excuse to like learn things I didn't know and, and hear what you guys have been up to for the last few years. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yeah, it's funny. It's I remember... Um, and I actually had like somehow kind of forgotten this, but we, we all went out for drinks last night and, um, and talked about, you know, of course we're going to talk about Ocelot and your climbing hold business that you're building and, um, and the, where the idea came from and all that. But, um, I'd forgotten that we went out for a drink, like, was it six years six ago? Six years ago. Six years yeah, ago. August and second. <laughs> 2017. Is that real? Yeah. Are you yeah, serious? Yeah. Why do you know that? Because that was that fish show. <laughs> oh, the fish show. The fish show, of course. Yeah, yeah Baker's Dozen, Baker's night, yeah. night 10. Where did we go? We Broken went to Top like Bottle Shop. Broken mm -hmm. Top Bottle Shop in Bend. Mm -hmm. And you guys picked my brain about making climbing holds because I was, yeah. I'd, I think I was working at Epic at the, um, I was yeah. working in aerospace at the airplane factory. <laughs> um, but I had, I had worked for not that long, like a year and a half, I think, at Entrepree and was making their climbing holds and stuff. Mm -hmm. And, for people that don't know my story, they had hired me to bring their polyurethane hold production back in house. So I like developed that and was manufacturing the the hold manufacturing. So I knew some stuff and you guys were picking my brain because you wanted to start this hold company. And six years later, I circle back to Ben. I've built the podcast. Yep. I come back to Ben and catch up with you guys and you yeah. have this rad thing that you've made. So yeah. 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 I mean, that conversation was really helpful. Super helpful. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. It, also really helpful in us deciding not to produce our own holds because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of a lot of work and yeah messy work yeah <clears throat> very yeah. messy work for sure yeah yeah and it's like it um it's hard to do not at scale you know it's so hard to small batch holds and kind of bootstrap it up like you kind of need all this equipment and you need like a lot of yeah. people ordering a lot of holds to really yeah. make it yeah, you need that economy of scale. And, yeah, exactly. Especially after now you see like we went and toured our production facility this past spring and it's a pretty incredible operation, mm. like what they've got going on. Because mm -hmm. they make holds for you and other companies a few, as Yeah, well. a few other brands. Yeah. I mean, and the bulk of their space is just storing the molds. It's actually really, I actually think that's probably the coolest part of it mm. is like all the molds. And you, it's like a library back there. You're like mm. in the archives, like, mm -hmm. oh my God, there's that and there's that. And <laughs> it's like pretty sweet, actually. It's all labeled. I saw that on this, in this World Cup route. Right, right. Yeah, 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 right. I mean, yeah, a little bit. A little bit, That's exactly. Cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they produce for So Ill and Trango, which used to be E-Grips, e yeah. um, Rock Candy, Decoy. Nice. So... Yeah, I mean, we were walking around and we saw like the new baby head in, in foam. And in I, was foam. Like, I was like, I want to take a picture of that. And Nathan's like, nope, <laughs> no, nope, can't, you take can't take. No, actually, you can't take. Yeah, that was. Jason cool. hasn't chosen to reveal. Yeah, the new the baby. New baby. Well, <laughs> yeah. it's revealed now. Yes. It's, yeah, it's creepier. It's creepier. <laughs> <laughs> the dual text eyes, right? Oh my god. Yeah, I, th I think I just. And saw they're that. like different size. <laughs> <laughs> nice work, Jason. Nice work, Jason. <laughs> mm -hmm. The inspiration. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. What, um, where did this idea come from? What made you guys want to start a climbing hold company? I mean, I've, I've been shaping for, uh, I think eight years now. And 
I mean, I love route setting. I love climbing. Do you want to um, actually, that's a probably, we should probably start by introducing you and your setting background and stuff. Do you want to give some background, some context? Yeah, sure. I mean, I, um, like I said, I've been climbing since I was a kid. Uh, and then once I was in college, I, um, I went to school in Southern Oregon down in Ashland. Um, and I started climbing at the Rogue Rock Gym. I got a one month pass and that's the, that's the only membership I've ever paid for a cli- <laughs> at a climbing gym well for done. one month. And then I got hired and then part of, part of the job was, uh, you know, front desk and, uh, changing the routes out sometimes. And, uh, yeah, so I started setting there and my buddy, Matt, he is the owner. Um, he kind of showed me, you know, he gave me a T handle and a five gallon bucket and we were like, you know, anchoring to the daisy chains to, on the floor and, uh, you know, doing some sketchy stuff. Uh, this was like 2006, I think. And yeah, then I just started setting more. And then I was there for seven years and managing and uh, coaching and doing the head setting, setting thing there. Um, and then moved to Bend. And then I was at the Bend Rock Gym for uh, about eight years. Um, and right after I moved to Bend is when I started shaping, um, did some stuff for Metolius. Um, some stuff for EP, uh, working class, um, thrive elevation volumes. Um, so yeah, quite a handful of different companies. Um, and yeah, then I just started doing freelance shaping and setting, traveling, doing USA climbing stuff. Um, and yeah, it's been fun. So yeah. Do you, do you have your, I I know there's five levels. Do you have like certain level of, of root setter? Yeah. I, I don't even know how that works. I mean, you, <clears throat> I should have, know. Yeah. Well, USA Climbing has, um, yeah, dif- different certifications. Um, you can do your level one clinic or your level two clinic um, by application. Um, I, I think they do one, one a year, maybe two. Um, and then to get your level three, y- you work as an apprentice at a national or a divisional. Um, and then same for the level four. Um, and then, yeah, you, you can get your endorsements for bouldering or sport. And then to get your L5, you need to have, um, I think it's six um, national level championship events like under your belt before you can apply and kind of test to get your level five. Mm. Um, and your level five um, allows you to chief a national event or a North American Cup series. Cool. Um, so I, I have a level four with endorsements in bouldering and sport. So I can chief a divisional uh, or a regional and work as a an assistant at nationals. Nice, which I've done a couple times, but um, like to do more. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Let, let's stay on you for a minute, Joey. Um, it's Joey that's been talking, by the way, for people that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, people! <laughs> <laughs> the people that hear three male voices and don't know who's who. Mm. What was exciting to you about this idea, or what was it that? Um, yeah, I guess just why. Yeah, what was your why? Because it takes a lot of work. There's no guarantees. It also takes some like startup risk and capital, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, I guess I just, it, through my years of, of shaping holds, I've, um, I've really, really enjoyed the creative process of making stuff, uh, creating things, um, figuring out how to make things work. Um, and that, I get a lot of that from route setting. Um, and 
shaping is just kind of like a, a hyper-focused version of that where I'm still creating something. I'm making, making this thing that is, uh, it's useful. It's a tool. It's, um, it has a purpose, um, for route setters to use. And then they get to kind of use that how they want in their own creative process. And so I just think it's super fun to, um, yeah, to be a part of that and to, to, put my ideas out there. And so, you know, I, I had shaped for a lot of different companies in the past and like they just pay for those holds outright, um, buy them for me and then they become their holds and they just mass produce them and sell them. And um, yeah, I just wanted to, I wanted to make my own brand, make um, kind of, yeah, make my own brand, make my own holds and do it in the way that I wanted to do it and have the, the control to um, make a fun brand, make the holds that I want and not be dictated by what these other companies want or, you know, the quantities or the size or the, the shape or whatever. Um, yeah. What kind of parameters would you get if you were, if you're setting for another company or sorry, shaping for another company? Are they telling you like, <clears throat> you know, we're inspired by this type of hold or set or this is Some, size yeah. we're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes, I mean, uh, certain brands, they want, you know, X number of smalls, mediums, larges. Um, you know, I send them a few ideas send some photos and then they're like, Oh, I don't like that. Or I like this one. Can you do something else like that? And then, um, yeah. And sometimes they dictate which foam they want you to use. Cause there's like dozens, hundreds of different types of foams and mm -hmm. densities and, um, yeah, so I do have a little bit of creative freedom while I'm doing it, but, um, it felt a little bit restrictive. Um, and yeah, I just had some ideas that I wanted to do and, um, I just finally decided to do it. Even though a lot of people were like, uh, oh, it's a big pain. Like mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. it's a lot of work. I, you know, it's really tough to do. Um, but I, I think I thrive, um, under pressure. So, um, you know, just lock me in that cage. <laughs> <laughs> what about for you? What was appealing about it? I mean, you already talked about your entrepreneurial spirit and you're a yeah. climber and you were, you know, managing, were you managing the gym when this idea first? Yeah. Came director out? of operations. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, I think it really is that it's like the spirit of start. I mean, it's why I was so excited to go work at the gym in the first place. Cause it was, ripe with potential. And, um, I had a vision for, you know, making it better and grow and, and fostering a real, you know, the, I mean, I was fortunate that we already have a pretty strong and incredible climbing community in Bend. So it was, it wasn't like I, you know, came in and created some amazing community. It was more just like creating a space for that community to just further prosper. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was really an extension of that, you know, was getting the opportunity to do that again. But, you know, at the beginning stage from the ground up, you know, with somebody that, you know, I know and love, you know, one of my best friends, right? Getting to do and support his vision. Oh. And, his, you know, <laughs> I, I, I've I'd watched him shape for years and years and years and talk about it. And what a cool, you know, obviously there's, there's financial motive, you know, it has potential to be a successful profitable, lucrative business if done right. But um, it was also just a f cool project to get involved with. And there's, you know, there's something empowering about owning and operating your own company. It's, 
yes, it's a lot of work and it's, as you could attest to, we were talking yeah. about the podcast, how much work goes into it behind the scenes. Yeah. There's no, I think every, every small business owner is the same way, but there's a lot of pride that goes into that, I think. And that yeah. motivates you to do even more and be better. So I think it was a lot of those things um, that drove me to get involved with this. And, you know, my background is in kind of business operations and management and financial operations. So it's just, a I like tinkering with that stuff. I love spending time in QuickBooks and, you know, running our reports and our PL and budgeting. So and, glad you enjoyed <laughs> doing that. Managing our Thank invoicing <laughs> processes. And, you know, it's just, it's fun to, it's fun to watch the, like, the yardstick grow effectively, right? It's fun mm. to watch things just kind of come to fruition in a mathematical kind of way. Mm -hmm. So it's that, yeah, those were kind of the things that inspired me to get a part of it. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I love climbing and want to stay connected with, with this sport and way of life. And, you know, this was another avenue to, to be able to do that. That's cool. Yeah. I've been, um, yeah, it's, it's fun to hear the parallel. I've been really surprised actually at how fulfilling the business side of this whole project has been for me. I just, you know, initially I just wanted to make a show that I wanted to listen to. And as things have grown, I like really love the, some parts of the, of the business side of it and having my own brand and yeah. like, you know, starting an LLC and like yeah. building the website and all that's just like, it feels cool. Yeah. And when, when new ideas come, it's, it's yours and it's your baby. And just the idea, I mean, I couldn't have done it on my own, but also it wouldn't exist without me. And, and that just feels yeah. really, it's really neat. Yeah. It's a cool, I think, I think for us as humans, like expressing our identities is important. And I think some people do it through art forms, right? You know, artists, musicians. And I think for me, like business is one of those ways that I kind of express my identity. Mm. You know, it's just that you don't really get to see it, but it's not really, that's really not what it's about. I'm not really, I'm not, I don't really care if people can like, you know, see and experience it like you would like a beautiful piece of art yeah, or a wonderful piece of music. But for me, that's like, that is kind of my art form is like getting to do something really, really well. That mm -hmm. means a lot to me that kind of puts forth like what I'm about, mm -hmm. you know? So that's so funny. We were talking about that last night quite a bit actually for like, I don't know, 30 minutes about, um, yeah, the idea of doing something that you're good at and doing something that is useful or, or has value in the world and doing something that you love. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the hedgehog, uh, right? The hedgehog concept um, or, you know. I think that's you, or, a Jim Collins attribution. I'm not totally sure, but yeah, I just, I, I love this idea. Yeah, and we were, we were talking about that, about like you, know, you with your podcast and how, you're doing something that you love and I think that you're really good at it. And, uh, it, I, brings, I, val I and it brings value to the climbing community and, and maybe, you know, greater, greater than the climbing community. But, um, I, yeah, I feel like we've started down this path with Ocelot for a lot of this, the same reasons, um, because we love doing it. Uh, we find value in it and, um, yeah, uh, I think that we're good at it. But. You can say that. Yeah, I think that you guys are too. I mean, just yeah. from what I've seen so far, I haven't. Yeah. I mean, we just we're in um, we're in a climbing gym. We're in an office in a climbing gym right now, and and half it's a training center for the kids here in Bend, and half the holds on the wall are your holds, and it's sick. It's awesome to 
pretty wild. See, so. It's really wild. <laughs> yeah. And it's super tangible. Like, mm. It's cool to actually like get to watch the kids climb on them. Watch the kids climb on the holds, touch the holds. You know, it's, yeah. I haven't had that experience as a business, like as somebody who's run businesses. I mean, I guess in the climbing gym, you get to see it, right? Because you get to see people come into the space, but this is like a physical thing mm -hmm. that you're producing. Mm -hmm. And that's been a cool, a very different and very cool experience to be a part of, to produce that thing. Where did the name come from? Ocelot. <laughs> well, I love cats, first of all. Um, and I mentioned earlier that um, you met up with us that, that night, August 2nd, and Fish was playing. And I was there because I was watching a live stream of that show that was happening at that bar. And uh, there happens to be a song by fish called ocelot and i wanted our brand name to be something that was kind of fun and um something that meant a lot to me um and so yeah i just thought it was a fun name um it's part of a, a band that i really enjoy um i like cats and i also think that i also think that it's like a cool word and it's it's spelled really cool and it's fun to say <laughs> so um yeah, it doesn't really mean a whole lot other than, than that. But Yeah, no, that's great. Um, I love it. I, I really like the story of where brand names come from because a lot of the really good ones aren't intuitive, right? Like the, like the further, usually the catchier the brand name, the more it sticks, like the further it is away from like the function of the business. And... 100% agree. Yeah, I just, I just always think it's interesting to hear where those ideas spark from because I, you know... Um, the nugget for me was really obvious and really easy. I didn't have to think about it that much. Um, I, I think that's a great name, by the way. Thank you. I, yeah. yeah. I, I was, I've told this story before, but I was an engineer stuck in my cubicle all day, listening to podcasts obsessively, listening to audiobooks, like in a really deep, like, you know, self-improvement kind of phase of my life and like taking in a lot of info. And I kept having these like profound realizations listening to stuff and then forgetting them because I would I was so saturated I would like listen to another podcast and forget the awesome thing that I had just learned so I started a google doc called nuggets where I would just like categorize them and oh, like cool. leave myself notes like this is the podcast episode or you know the the chapter of the audiobook that I heard this and give myself like little reminders and then I wanted more of that depth like in climbing in a climbing podcast and so it's Is just, that what is that what inspired the kind of and you're still doing this now, the like notes that you put down like on for each episode and you can like link to oh, the show notes, the yeah. show notes. Well, yeah, they're called the nuggets because yeah. yeah, like something in there, they're not all going to be like great, you know, profound yeah. takeaways, but there's, there's one in there. There's got to be one in every episode, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're asking an interesting person, interesting questions, they're going to have something that's going to be helpful for you in your life and relatable. And yeah, yeah. I always feel that way. Like if I enter into a conversation with someone I don't know, like if I'm asking the right questions, they're going to be able to teach me something. Yeah. I just don't know, you know, I don't know what that's going to totally. be. Um, but I've, I've, I had a previous business before the nugget, um, a little silly Amazon business selling, uh, selling camping mugs. I remember. <laughs> yeah. And I like, <laughs> really? I, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there you was no, this? no, I don't. <laughs> I remember you bringing them to Smith Rock group meetings. Oh, that's funny. I, yeah, you I like just started that. it. Yeah, like brought a couple in. I was like, "Oh, that's awesome!" They were just like cute little stylized, like enamel wear mm -hmm. mugs with little camping designs on them, camping like tent designs. And they were like made to order. Like someone would order them, and then 
no, I was like, I like or what? ordered 3000 of them from China and, and oh. like tried that whole thing. And, yeah. and it, I mean, it like broke even, it wasn't a huge success, but it like, I learned a lot doing that. But, mm-hmm. um, the reason I brought it up is because when I was thinking of the name for that business, it was like Googling, like Googling camping words. And it, it was like very forced, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it really, yeah. Yeah. That, that's how I, <laughs> that's how I feel naming climbing holds series or families or whatever. Like I've, I have spreadsheets with lists and lists of names by category, like (laughs) a potential hold and I have ranked them and I'm like, this would be great for this type of hold and whatever. And then then like, yeah, it just goes on and on. I'm using like online thesauruses and stuff. (laughs) And then lo and behold, I'm learning a lot of words. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's like getting harder all the time with all the, it is, yeah. It's getting, it's, it's, yeah, there's already a you good can't bit call of duplication. Like wedges anymore, Mm-mm. or you know, blobs. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, yeah, Pinches. there's a lot where I would, I would think of a cool name. I'm like, oh, that's awesome, and I would type it in, and then I'd type that, and then climbing holds. And I don't know, seventy percent of the time they were taken already. Mm. You know, some website would pop up from some brand that I know, and I'm like, oh, damn it, mm-hmm. <laughs> great name. Yeah. But, I'm so, not using it. So this is a this is a tough question to answer, I'm sure. And you know, if you don't have an answer right now, we can circle back to it. But with so many climbing hold companies out there, what makes you guys different? Yeah, that is a good question. Uh, my girlfriend always gives me shit because people ask me that that aren't that aren't in the climbing industry, and I don't have a very good short answer for that. I don't have a good like 30 second elevator pitch for like what makes us stand, you know, stand apart from other brands. Yeah. And she's like, you got to learn how to answer that question. <laughs> so, um, like, first we have to describe what rock, cl- what, <laughs> what bouldering is, you know, for, yeah. It's, it's like, if, if you're not familiar with the indoor climbing industry or route setting or specifically like climbing holds, it's kind of hard to explain like the, the detailed nuances of like what makes a climbing hold great versus like, um, just, you know, a thing that you're bolting to the wall. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, I mean, the first thing that I would say is that because of my shaping and route setting experience, I, I know um, exactly what I want and what works and what doesn't work and what feels comfortable. And so that we have a ton of experience. Um, so I think taking that and putting that into the brand um, is, is one way uh, that we kind of stand out from some other brands. Um, we also have, um, a fairly unique, um, way that we've kind of organized our holds. Um, we are doing large families of holds that have kind of a cohesive, um, aesthetic look to them with, um, series in each family that represent a certain type of hold. So we have like the, uh, the iced family, we have the fade slopers and the glazed jugs. And I've currently working on a set of pockets right now. Um, they all have a similar look. They're all dual text. They all have a, a, they can all be used together very cohesively, but, um, we have a ton of variety. Um, each of these series has 70 holds with a really high quantity of smaller, um, smaller holds so that they're a little bit more affordable. Um, and, yeah, and we're also doing um, a different series called the Shade Theory, which um, it's kind of an experiment 
that's why it's called the shade theory. Um, but it's a, a group of holds that are all kind of based around, um, circles and a radius, uh, and yeah, basically when you use them together, um, the radius of the base of the hold and the radius of, um, the wedge itself, they, they line up really well. So you can stack them around corners. Um, you can stack them on each other. Um, and as we keep adding to that series, um, they're going to, um, be really cool to use with each other. Yeah. So you were, you were describing it last night and I was having a hard time visualizing it. You showed me some pictures, which was really helpful, but it was even more helpful to go downstairs and and see them in the gym and see like, oh, cool. Now you can take a few holds that <clears throat> that are designed to fit together around different angles and stack them on like a triangular volume mm-hmm. in a way that basically makes like another cool, weird volume off mm-hmm. the volume or around in a ret or in a corner. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it's it's. I haven't seen much like that it's maybe anything like that it's really cool yeah i mean a lot of route setters are doing some of that on their own they're you know the shapes by themselves are fairly average you know we have the series of the the shade wedges are literally just increments of five degrees on like imagine like a a lime wedge and you know they can have a really narrow lime wedge and it can or it can go up to 90 degrees so it goes from 20 degrees to 90 degrees but when you when you put that on on an aret, um, you can overlap um, another one of those over the top of it, and um, it creates like kind of like this ball or bubble, like right on a corner, um, which I think looks really cool. Um, and yeah, I I just think as we keep expanding that line, it's going to be um, really cool to see what the route setters out there come up with. Um, and that's, that's what I'm really excited about mm. just to see, um, how, how these setters use these tools that we're creating. How often are you shaping with like a specific use case in mind? Are you like imagining the boulders that you're going to set with these holds as you're shaping them or, um, I'll sometimes imagine moves and stuff. Um, I'm, I, yeah, I, I do that quite a bit. Um, I don't go too, too deep into that. Um, because really, yeah, I do, I do that sometimes, not all the time, but, Mm -hmm. um, I definitely, if I'm, if I'm making a, a, like a series of jugs, um, and I want them to be for, you know, really steep terrain, um, I'm making sure that the radius is, you know, rounded enough so that, um, when you're using it on vertical terrain, it's not going to be too sharp. Um, and I'm imagining like, how they'll function in a roof or something that's like 60, 70, 80 degrees. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I don't get too detailed though. But mm-hmm. yeah. 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 That's a hard question to answer. <laughs> I was just curious. No, yeah. yeah it just, it's just interesting. Um, do you have any thoughts to add to what makes you guys different from, from the business perspective? I mean, I think we've got, we have a shaper who's highly experienced in you know, nine years of shaping is a long time. And what's interesting about, I think the whole industry that I've learned kind of being more and more involved in it is, you know, that's a lot of the the successful brands of head shapers that have been doing it for a very long time. And they all have kind of their unique style and their unique flavor, right? And not everybody's going to like our stuff and not everybody's going to like, you know, Rock Candy or Kilter or, you know, Trango or any of the other brands, right? And I think 
you know, it, what sets us apart is that, you know, we have, we have a flavor, mm. right? We're not homogenous. And, um, that's cool. You know, I think that's, what's cool about what Joey's doing. You just heard him describe it. Um, and then I, th you know, I, I think the other things that, you know, I suppose might, you know, set us apart a little bit is just our desire to just keep pushing this forward. And, you know, we, we have our, you know, livelihoods on the, on the line in a way here. And so we really want to be successful. So there's not that I, I'm not going to say that like all the other hold companies out there, they don't have passionate people behind them. They certainly do. I've met them and they're all very passionate. Um, but again, I think that's, what's cool about this industry is you have people that are really doing this because they really, really love it. Mm. And Joey's no exception. I mean, mm -hmm. he really loves doing this and it's like, it's, he's really expressing his creativity through this and giving giving setters and, and by virtue of that climbers, just another, another cool way to experience movement um, and also the aesthetics that they see on the wall. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <clears throat> I also have a um, pretty big goal of really engaging with the greater climbing and route setting community. And I want, I'd like to do, um, you know, sponsor certain setters to go work at different events mm -hmm. or provide, um, or like run clinics here at BEA or travel to go, um, teach some clinics, um, and just really get involved and have Ocelot be a, just a, a fun brand that people want to work with. And we support, um, route setters out there. And that's, that's a goal of mine is to just try to, um, get involved as much as we can, um, in that, in that way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I know there's other, there's other hold companies out there that are doing some similar things. Um, and I'd love to team up with them or, um, yeah, just see what we can do and keep, keep the industry growing and keep, um, people's psych for route setting, um, growing. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Wonderful Pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. And I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff. Something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted, that's my favorite, super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good, you literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends, or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, Fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Crimped. This is the best app I have seen when it comes to self-coached training for rock climbing. Crimped has dozens of workouts crafted by world-class climbers and coaches that focus on 
all of the different facets of climbing performance and training, including workouts to guide your outdoor climbing. I just did a really fun collaboration with the guys at Crimped, and now all of you can try my three favorite outdoor bouldering workouts right there in the Crimped app. We've got one called Steven's Outdoor Bouldering Warm-Up, which is my go-to warm-up on a bouldering day. We've got Steven's Outdoor Limit Bouldering, which will guide you through my approach to projecting hard boulders. And finally, we've got Steven's Outdoor Strength Zone Bouldering, which will guide you through a strength-focused bouldering session. I've used that one a lot in Waco Tanks over the past few years with great results. And it's a great format for sending some of those second-tier boulders and building strength out there on the rock. Check out the Crimped app at crimped.com. That's C-R-I-M-P-D.com to get started and download the Crimped app for free. And type in Steven, S-T-E-V-E-N, into the search bar in the app to try my go-to outdoor workouts. That's crimped.com or find the Crimped app in the app store. It's totally free to try. Type Steven in the search and have fun out there on the boulders. And now back to the show. As a way of, I want to hear more about like the philosophy behind the brand and what you guys kind of, what your vision is for this um, beyond just the holds um, as a way of kind of leading into that. Why can't we, why can't people buy your holds online? What's up with that? (laughs) (laughs) You shouldn't answer that one. I can answer. I mean, I'll answer that one. I think for me, I think the hold buying experience is a complicated one and the nature of you know the kind of website and e-commerce platforms that exist today are not very well tailored to accommodate it in a way that's one leaves the customer feeling like that was a good buying experience like you we could put it online we totally could um but at the end of the day it it would be more trouble probably than the buyer would care to have um, or, or go through. And at the end of the day, like, I think it's, we've, the process that we have, you know, through our order form, we've spent a lot of time creating, you know, in a lot of ways, it's, it's kind of, it's funny cause it's kind of a, it's maybe a regression in terms of like the e-commerce best practice. Right. But I think we've created a solution where, you know, you download our order form and it's, we've spent a lot of time creating something that's easy for the customer to use that produces you know, there's, they're choosing hundreds of holds in an order, right? Mm-hmm. Right. More these are, often these are not. gyms spending thousands right. of dollars. Thousands of dollars. Yeah. And they're, yeah. they're, I, I, I think it depends on who's, who we're talking about. Yeah. Um, I, I want to sell our holds to climbing gyms and to route right. setters. Um, I, I also want to sell the, you know, I want to provide holds for home wall climbers as well. Um, where I think that those types of, uh, buyers are, the type of people that would benefit from having uh, holds for sale online that they can just, you know, throw a set or two sure. on, in a cart and pay for it. Yeah. Um, but I want to have the experience of talking with route setters, talking with the head setter of a gym, giving them some info on why this set or that set might be best for them uh, or f- for their event or for their competition. And um, I want to have that relationship with them and, be a part of providing them the best holds that we can. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think that's what you were getting at ultimately. Yeah, a hundred percent. 
I so mean, they're not like looking at your website, guessing about how big the holds are, how they'll work on their terrain. Like well, you, they can actually talk to you guys. And, or just having to like go through and select them all and put them in a cart and then go through a cart that would be seemingly endless, um, let alone having color choices. And it's just not a very personalized approach either, in my opinion. I think another thing that we, one thing that I really enjoy is like getting to know the customer. That's one of the things I loved about working at a gym is you got to know people. And I don't see why this needs to be any different. Like I want to have relationships with the people that buy our holds and I want, I personally want them to be successful and I want them to know I want them to be successful. And I think it's cool to be able to actually talk with the people that are running the business versus having this sort of like veneer of, you know, you never really know who's behind the curtain over there, you mm-hmm. know, producing this stuff. So yeah. I think, I think by virtue of that too, I mean, that's, that's a, a nice byproduct of us doing it the way we're doing it Yeah. Uh, for now is I, I think ultimately I'd love to have it be a way where like, you know, you could go onto our website and, and maybe one day we'll have that where you can go on our website and produce an order in a way that is very, very streamlined and gets exactly what you want. Yeah, um, we we will, and we will hope. Yeah, we will eventually. Yeah. Mm. But yeah. but yeah, and I I want to I want to hear from the people that are using our holds. I want to see what they're setting. I want to hear what they thought about it, and I want to get that for my own personal growth as a shaper um, and business owner. Um, I want to I want to see and hear how how they like them or didn't like them. And I also want to like see what they're coming up with and, um, you know, Instagram and, and those sorts of platforms are great for that. Um, but I, you know, it's similar to like when I'm setting routes or setting for a competition, the, the best part of that for me is watching people interact with that route, whether they do it or not, or fall or hate it or love it. I love watching them interact with it. And that's no different when it comes to climbing holds, I mm. want to see how they're using them. I want to see what they come up with, what they create, it, if they use them in a brand new way, or if they like take the biggest hold we have and use it as a start foot. Like, I, I don't know. I want to, I want to see that stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's what gets me excited um, to keep, keep doing this. So if, yeah. So if we're talking with our, our buyers and, you know, really getting to know them, then hopefully we can um, get that feedback and see yeah. those stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's funny. I have a very distinct memory of you, Joey. I was, we were climbing, I was climbing at the Ben Rock gym. This is probably like eight to 10 years ago. I don't know. And just having a session and you were just kind of there, like sitting in the back, like with uh-huh. your arms folded. And I was like, Oh, like, what's up, dude? Are you, are you climbing? And you're like, no. I was like, Oh, are, are you, are you setting? And you're like, no, I'm just, I'm just watching. Mm-hmm. And I, it was like before I knew that you know, really good root setters do that, that they just hang out and watch people engage with, you know, it was a brand new set. We were all climbing on it and you were just hanging out, just watching. And I was like, oh, that makes sense. Yeah, I, I did that a lot. I, <laughs> yeah. I even encouraged, I encouraged all the setters on my crew to do that. Mm-hmm. And I would, we would pay them to do yeah, that. We increased their hours specifically to, to, to do go that. talk mm-hmm. with members get to know them, get feedback and learn, um, what they can do differently. Um, and yeah, and that's really how you learn how to improve is just get it, 
especially if they don't know that you're watching or you're just kind of off in the corner. Like mm. when I first moved to Bend, I could do that and get away with that. Nobody knew what I looked like. And I would just sit there and, and watch and people would candidly say all sorts of stuff about <laughs> these routes. And like, sometimes it was hard to hear, but it was, sure. it was good to hear, you know? Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's really valuable. Mm. Um, so yeah, if you're a setter um, or a shaper or really any in any field, um, the more you can get feedback like that, I think the better for your improvement. Yeah. So, One thing I really felt last night talking to you guys, because we hadn't seen each other in, in years, I think, and we were catching up and I was taking some notes and we were just hanging out, just chatting. I was like, these guys, I feel like you guys are kindred spirits because I think all three of us are really <laughs> like committed to our craft. That's you know? super and, funny. What? Because uh, Joey and I, are, we are kindred spirits, but it's funny because we are very different people. Sure. I'm like vanilla ice cream and he's like... <laughs> A cage fighter. Every flavor yeah. of rainbow sherbet. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I but do, we, I do like sugar. <laughs> but I think we all have. Um, I mean, we, Joey, you and I, after you had to leave last night, we mm. had a conversation about attention to detail and yeah. how you're just so zoomed yeah. in on the details of your craft. And yeah. um, and I can tell that you are too, like in your own way, with the QuickBooks spreadsheets, whatever it is. Yeah. But you, I can tell that you. You care a lot, you think a lot, and you think that the details matter. Yeah. Um, you're committed to like doing a really good job at your craft. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and for me, I, I mean, we talked about this, like all those details add up. I think it really is the thing that has made all the difference for me. And there's a lot of things that, you know, like one, one example, I was thinking about this because um, I knew I wanted to talk about it. And I've, of course, you know, I listened to a lot of podcasts and something that had always bothered me before I started my own show was if you stumbled into an old episode, like you were Googling because you you knew that some guest was on, you know, for me, mm. Tim Ferriss or something. And, mm -hmm. oh, they were on here, but it was like 300 episodes ago. Mm -hmm. um, if I go to a pod, like most podcast websites, you go to that episode page and it says like, listen on Spotify, listen on Apple Podcasts. And you click on that and it just takes you to their show on Spotify. But then you have to like scroll through 300 episodes. And I was like, if I'm going to do that, on every single episode page, if you click on any of the ways to listen, it's going to take you to that episode on Spotify. You mm -hmm. know, it's going to take you to that episode. Mm -hmm. I was just like, it's so annoying that no one else is doing that. And it's a tiny thing and it takes not a ton of time, but it takes effort because you can't make that link until after the show publishes. You have to like wait 20 minutes until it goes out to all the different platforms and then come back and link it. But like, I don't know if anyone's ever noticed that, but it bothered me. I wanted to do it better and I've done it ever since. But I think all those, it's it's like, it's not even like any of the details making all the difference. It's that, I think, mindset that you bring to the entire project. It's mm -hmm. like, I'm going to pay attention to, to that level of detail and think about the customer experience as a customer myself. You know, I've engaged with this thing. I've listened to lots of podcasts. You're, you've been a root setter forever. You've bought lots of holds and dealt with hold companies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and you you know the pain points. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 I know what I like. I know what I don't like. And I've, I've tried my best to address as much of that as I can and apply that to our brand. And 
sometimes it's annoying uh, how how uh, detailed I am. Um, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of extra effort and time. And sometimes I'm like, I roll my eyes at myself. I'm just like, dude, you got to chill out, <laughs> you know? But I, I think it's worth it. And like you were saying, it does it does make all the difference. Yeah. Even if it's like 2% increase in quality, like that could be the difference between the other brand out there or the other podcast or, or whatever. And it's worth doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the great, I mean, one of the things I learned in college in business school, um, was one of the, uh, we watched a presentation and the whole idea of the lecture was like, there's no such thing as a silver bullet. Every, every successful business is incrementally improving every aspect of their business. And that's what ultimately, you know, mm. builds a pyramid, so to speak. And Jeez, sorry. Builds the pyramid, so to speak, that like gives them, you know, ultimately leads them to be successful. Yeah. Um, and I took away a lot from that because it's like, yeah, attention to detail there. It's attention to detail on, you know, little things operationally that the customer would never ever see, mm-hmm. but makes a huge difference for our workload and ultimately their experience make a huge difference. Mm-hmm. You guys know the saying, how you do something is how you do everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I love that saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it just kind of, that just reminded me of that where, you know, how you do one part of your business is like how you're also doing the other right. part of your business and it all adds up and it's just, you know, I guess it's a fancy way of talking about habits, but mm-hmm. um, I don't I I take that seriously and um, try to live by that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was cool to like our manufacturers the same way. Mm. You go into their, you go, you go into their, you go into the facility and it's, I don't want to call it, it's not low, like, I don't want to call it low tech, like low tech's not the right word because it's incredibly sophisticated what they're doing, but they're not necessarily like going out and like buying this precision cast machinery. It's like, (laughs) it's not an assembly line with like comp. Yeah. yeah, They've built this all themselves and you know. It might not be the prettiest looking thing, but it works incredibly well and it works every time. Mm, and our cool. manufacturer can produce a several thousand dollar climbing hold order in a couple weeks and ship it to the customer. And a few years ago, that was well, and still today with certain manufacturers, that's unheard of. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about peak performance polymers. Yeah. Um, by the way, by the way listeners yeah. out there. Well, I was <laughs> yeah. kind of curious. I was yeah. like, I would understand if you didn't want to share because, you know, I remember um, when I worked at EP, it was like talking to other people in the industry. It was a super hush hush thing, like mm. to try to figure out what what you know polyurethane people were using or where they're getting holes yeah. poured or stuff it was yeah. very like and there are still aspects of that yeah like why, why dual do techs feel... for example is definitely like a <laughs> trade secret a trade or... secret because there's still a lot of it's still being done a lot of different ways mm-hmm. um but why why do you feel comfortable and they're all difficult and they're all difficult <laughs> sharing that why do you feel comfortable sharing the name oh here? i think i can say what i just said without i'm not giving away a trade secret it's more yeah. of like it's something I marvel at. It's mm-hmm. it's something that, you know, I don't need to give you like, I, I couldn't even describe, frankly, the like ins and outs, the engineering behind how they're doing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just incredibly cool to watch it come together because it's a beautiful dance. Yeah, It yeah. really yeah. is a beautiful yeah. dance to watch it all happen. And I'm also proud to be partnered with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, incredibly so proud. I have no problem saying that. And yeah. I, I don't think they do. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't, <laughs> yeah, think, I don't think so either. <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if anything, you might just get more competition with them now, more people that want to work with them. But yeah, I mean, but it's ultimately up to them what, yeah, who they want to bring on and who they want to produce for. Yeah. And so it's not, I mean, I hope their phones are off the hook with people. Who are like, <laughs> yeah. Please pour for me. But yeah. Yeah. but yeah, they do a great job and I'm really excited to be working with them. Yeah. And they awesome. produce for a lot of um, some of the leading brands yeah in the u.s yeah. and um yeah it's and they're yeah they're great to work with yeah. i mean it's it's interesting like as i'm as i was asking that question i was realizing like that's such a closed scarcity mindset to have you know like that old mindset that i remember engaging with a lot when i was working at ep it was like well we can't tell anybody what if they steal our business or whatever and um it's understandable to some degree but um but i think choosing to sign up for competition with that, you know, paired with that attention to detail, like we're going to do a really good job. We're going to do the best we can possibly do. And if we're meant to make it and stand out in this industry, and, and if we're good enough to create something unique, like that's going to shine through and just kind of mm -hmm. trusting that. I think that's cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I should probably ask you guys another question. Let's see here. <laughs> okay, I wanted to ask you this about attentions, attentions, attention to detail. Um, might be interesting to ask both of you this about your relative roles in Ocelot. But for you, Joey, what are some examples of details that you pay a lot of attention to that most people wouldn't notice or wouldn't think about? Oh, man. Oh, boy. I, mean, I know them. I, I, <laughs> I got a long list. I mean, we were just talking about dual text and... Uh, I have spent hours and hours and hours in my garage sanding plastic um, with a full respirator mask, eye mask, everything with an orbital sander. And the the transition line from the dual text to the textured part of the hold, um, I am extremely meticulous with making sure that that is as like clean and um, crisp as I possibly can. and. I think I said this last night also, but like there's times when I just like stop and I like have to pull the hold away from my face because it gets like closer and closer. And I'm like looking at these little, little pores in the foam and I'm like, dude, you need to like relax and move it away from your face and like look at it from further away and get a more objective view because no one's going to see that, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. um, until the one person that does care about that, that's loves geeking out about climbing holds looks at that and they're like, dang, that is a clean looking line. Mm. You know, you can't um, feel it. <laughs> yeah. And, and There's I also rib, didn't, I also really wanted to make sure that the transition from uh, dual text to texture, um, didn't have a lip, um, either raised up or, or below like the texture. Yeah. Um, I wanted it to be a clean line, that didn't like blend and fade. I didn't want to like sand some of the texture away and have it like mm -hmm. make a slow transition. It was a crisp line that was perfectly level with each other. Mm -hmm. um, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I actually, yeah. I feel like I should actually, or we should add context around that for people that have no idea how a climbing hold is made. Cause I'm just sitting here mm. realizing like I take all this for granted. Um, but for people that don't know, climbing holds, most of them are hand shaped out of foam blocks mm -hmm. and the, the, the density weights, yeah. yep, the density of the foam dictates how porous it is and dictates yeah. the the grip um, and then you you know you get it all looking like a climbing hold and you put the holes in it you know the, where the bolt goes and where the set screws go you put your logo on it 
and then you mold it in silicone. That was going to be mine. And then uh, what? The logo. The logo. <laughs> That's one that I care deeply about when mm. it comes to attention to detail. Nice. Well, we can we can yeah. go to that in a second. Yeah. And then you you mold it in silicone, build a mold around it so that you can pour cast urethane in it. Basically, it's like a liquid that solidifies into a climbing hold. But then for dual techs, you know, the holds that have texture on part of the hold where you grab it or step on it and then it's slippery. Mm -hmm. um, those are incredibly uh, laborious <laughs> to, yeah, to, to make the first time when you're making, you know, the, the initial hold that's going to be molded forever. I think it looks so good. But they look so, so good. good. But yeah, yeah. I've, I've dabbled in that a little bit and oh my God. Yeah, it's just, we were talking about it last night. I, I think I felt the same way. It's like it takes... 10 times as much effort to make a dual text hold as a regular hold? At least. Literally, like probably this. more. Yeah. yeah. Especially if you do it how I was just yeah. describing. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, and that, does, that doesn't even talk about the logistics of what we have to do to make that even possible. Mm. Just with like our manufacturer. Shipping. You know? Yeah, shipping. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. What, there's quite a few ways to do dual text. Um, they all are laborious. Uh, <laughs> But uh, I have chosen to do like a double mold um, method where I, I make my transition line in the foam part um, and I use um, some material that I spread over, over the, the, the foam that I want to make smooth and um, I make sure that I, I tape off um, the part that I want to remain textured uh, and then that transition is like pretty clean. Um, and then I send those off to uh, go get molded. And then they do what you just described, molding it in silicone and pouring in polyurethane. Um, and then they send me back a polyurethane part that's pretty rough. And then I spend like more hours um, sanding the polyurethane part down and polishing it. Mm. And um, <laughs> it, yeah, all the way down to like a wet sand, mm. like spraying it yeah. with a bottle and like using like 3000 grit and, um, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, they look amazing. And then they look I like just, they do. I just got to go see some of them on the wall. They mm -hmm. look incredible. Thanks, man. Thank you. Yeah. The logo, did you want to, did you have anything to share? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's one of those details that I think is, it's obviously overlooked by anybody who climbs on them because, you know, at the end of the day, you care about what the hold looks like as it, in its entirety and how it feels and what it climbs on. But I love I, one of the fun, or not, I wouldn't call it necessarily fun, but kind of intriguing parts of this process is I, like, I thought it was one of the most fun, figuring parts. out the way, figuring out how to display our, you know, our brand effectively, mm -hmm. right? Like the, the moniker on the, on the logo. And as you know, there's a lot of, there's different ways to do it and different brands have different ways of doing it. And that's one where I've always, I, I, I look at other companies and I'm always kind of curious about how they do it or don't, you know, like what kind of method they're doing. Cause I'm like, we're ultimately trying to get something that's like super clean and identifiable. And uh, you know, that's, those are, that's that little thing that it's like, you know, I always look at a hold when it like the logo isn't quite right in it. And you're like, hmm. Bummer. <laughs> like, there, like, there's a couple of our holds where I'm like, oh man, I yeah, thought that was straight. straight there, yeah. And uh turns out when I get it back in plastic, yeah. it's crooked. <laughs> I'm not telling you guys which yeah. one. Luckily with Yeah. Yeah. When we have to do it twice, we have to do it two different ways because our dual text holes, we put the logo on differently than we do with, mm, sure. with the 
just the normal texture holds. So mm-hmm. anyway, that's one of those. <laughs> how areas. do people? How do people find out about you? How do they find out yeah, about is us? Is this like a word of mouth thing? I mean, I'm I'm curious about that. And then like, I don't know if this will be interesting to people. I'm interested. I think anyone who's interested in like building their own business will will find this interesting. But to what degree did you guys plan the whole journey? You know, did you have like did you set out, did you like make a timeline and goals mm. and like a marketing strategy and all that stuff at the start? Or was it just like, okay, let's try to figure out how to make really cool holds and just see I what mean, happens. I mean, yeah, we have, we have a business plan oh, yeah. and a budget and, um, some of that just went out the window right away. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, lots, of, lots of there's surprises. Things like changed, like, like, like everything there's, you know, many revisions that take place throughout the process and mm-hmm. you, uh, you know, it's the, like the whole design, engineer, use, repeat, right? Whatever kind of process methodology that you learn in like project management or engineering or anything like that, right? Mm-hmm. We're constantly doing that with not necessarily our, I wouldn't say our business model is changing or has adapted. I think the things that have changed is like, we spent a lot of time trial and error, frankly, like figuring out the like the logistics of how we process orders. Like that was an interesting, we spent many, we spent a lot of hours talking about like, okay, how are we going to actually like behind that? Nobody's going to care about this, but it's like, (laughs) this was one of the things that was interesting to me is like, how do we actually like get an order in an order form and actually send it to our manufacturer to produce in a a way that's like not going to make us all pull our hair out Mm -hmm. and drive them crazy and be super, you know, inefficient. Automate it as much as possible. And automate it as much as possible. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Given the constraints of what we're doing and how we sell and those kinds of things, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I'm a route setter and a creator, and there's a lot that I'm learning and a lot that I still have to learn. Uh, so, yeah, we have a plan and we have goals and we have you know our budget and everything, but we're still we're learning a lot as we go as well. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, and I think that's really fun. Um, but there's obvi- obviously going to be some like, um, yeah, some difficult times um, in that process. What are the pain points? What are the, would have been some of the biggest challenges so far, or what are the parts of it that you just aside from making money hate? <laughs> 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 making money is a challenge uh, in the climbing industry. Pain points. <clears throat> um, I mean, honestly, it's kind of this is funny. It's the, the, I wouldn't call it necessarily a pain point. It's just one that we're, we're working on a way to do it where we do differentiate ourselves from a brand and marketing perspective. And there is a little bit of a trade secret there that I'm not going to go too much into because we have some interesting ideas that are going to come to fruition. For how to stand out? Yeah, for how to stand out and be unique and do something a little bit different from a marketing perspective I'm versus so like versus your standard like banner advertising and cats. Mm. <laughs> we're gonna tape posters to cats. T- tape posters, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and set them, mail loose. them yeah. to all the gyms. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's a pain point for us. I think, you know, I mean, I think the biggest pain point is that we're both extremely busy. Well, that too. Yeah, mm. it, this is not our full time job. Mm. Yeah, this is a literally a side hustle, and we're literally hustling like. Yeah, I get off my 
get off work from my normal job and then I like work and shape or do whatever for Ocelot for like hours afterwards. Yeah. And it's like, sometimes it's like 12, 13, 14 hour days. And wow. you know, yeah. Rich is, I put the kids is to a pilot now going through training to, to yeah. be a, a yeah. commercial pilot. And he has two little girls and yeah. I put my kids I, to bed and then I'll process some orders and <laughs> make sure our finances right. are looking good and, you know, make sure everything's working behind the scenes and yeah yeah that's at like 10 o'clock at night after the kids have been <laughs> when do you when do you talk to customers on the phone how do you guys manage that i mean i i usually will do that um we, we communicate a lot via email yeah. but mm, um yeah i'll i'll give people a call and okay. chat with them yeah. and i'm gotcha just always doing a bunch of stuff all at once for all the parents out there they'll know when i say that bluey is an incredible tool <laughs> Do you know what Bluey is? No, I don't. Okay. It's the it's 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 taken the world by storm. But it's a this kid's is a it's, nugget, right? It's here. a kid's TV show. Okay. It's not really a, it'll be a nugget for you. I mean, this is for well, every, it's a nugget for all the parents. Parents That's are what like yeah. parents are this like their rolling thing. their eyes, <laughs> like, yeah, he gets it, you know, kind of thing. Mm. Uh but yeah, like, you know, during the day, if I gotta get something done, it's like I can throw on Bluey for a minute and the girls are like good for Glued, a minute and I can call some, to the screen. Like I can call somebody and like make sure that they're good with their order kind of thing if they have any questions. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. You're constantly juggling and balancing and trying to uh, prioritize appropriately mm-hmm. so that, you know, you're not not dropping things through the cracks and, and, and not the, letting it fall by the wayside. Is the goal, I mean, we already talked about the the hedgehog, like doing something that you love that you're good at that um you know serving other people has some meaning um is the goal to have this be your full-time thing is would that be like a dream come true for you guys to have this be your single job yeah i think that'd be awesome i mean what would it take I hope my like, employer didn't hear me say that <laughs> 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 i'm just kidding uh i mean where where are you guys how far have you come relative to like you know, initial plans, thoughts, goals, ideas, and how much further do you have to go for that to be a reality? Uh, we've come an incredibly far, long way. And and how long have you been doing this actually? Like, you know, well, that, that initial combo I mean, was six I years. <laughs> since we yeah. started talking to you. Started, I mean, started with me. Ever since yeah. that fateful night. Fateful night. <laughs> uh, I mean, second. we, I started shaping for Ocelot two years ago. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. Oh, that's so recent. Yeah. I mean, you guys I, are killing I, it. That's, and then like, there was a few things that happened along the way where like I really made a big push um, last year to just like crank out as much as I could yeah. um, really quickly. And uh, yeah. And so, yeah, two years we kind of more or less launched um, like and started selling um, last spring. The spring. So yeah. we had a few orders in like January, February, but th- those were just like, you know, friends of mine that, yeah, uh, you know, I contacted directly and you know, made some deals with or whatever. Um, but we kind of really launched about at CWA this last yeah. year, May of, right May of this that. year. Um, so yeah, it's really only been like six months. Um, and so yeah, it's it's not that long in the grand scheme of things. Seems like a long time. I mean, two years and lots of ups and downs. But yeah, um, yeah, that's awesome. Pretty, pretty yeah. short yeah seems like yeah. it's working Jesus. taking off wow dude take it easy with that i know i'm sorry I, ring. i'm <laughs> <laughs> taking out some aggression i guess on this table i apologize 
And where would it have to get to? Like, do you, it, does it seem inevitable? Does it seem like you're on your way there? Or is it just a total question mark at this point? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I think we'll continue to grow. Um, well, hundred percent will continue to grow. Yeah. 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 I mean, nothing's certain, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I, I think that's an interesting question that, you know, for somebody in my position, I'm kind of always asking myself or I'm just also kind of thinking that. about, I mean, it's like same for you, yeah, right? Exactly. Like where does, the, if where does had, the nugget end? If like, someone had asked me this at year two, I would have been like, I mean, it's working. Like I'm going to make a living doing this, I think yeah. soon-ish, but like, I don't know when or, you know, how that's going to work. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's impossible to, to guess yeah. or to know. I think for me personally, I can answer the question this way because the career paths and the endeavors that I'm taking in my, my life personally are all meant to maximize the amount of time I get with the people I love doing the things I like doing mm. in the places I like doing them in that order. <laughs> so if I can, if this can become the thing that allows me to do that, then that's that's what it would take to be able to to i mean that's that's a, to put it as simply as that i wanted to ask you a minute ago why you decided to become an airline pilot is it just because it checks those three boxes pretty well it does yeah yeah flying is amazing <laughs> well, it's yeah, like it turns it's out like time traveling and space traveling <laughs> <laughs> yeah the time travel element of flying does time, it always blows my mind it, i'm like i was just in a plane for six hours, but only three hours have passed because of the time zone. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be a it's trip if I ever do. Like, I think it's amazing. It'll be a trip if I ever do like a Seattle, Tokyo flight, like there and back, it'll be wild. Like, I don't even know what day it is. Like when I get back, I hope I'm on that flight. Captain Rich. We'll see. <laughs> Captain Rich. No, it is. I mean, I think, I think the, for that's, was the evaluation criteria. You know, airline pilots typically work about half a month at a time. So week on, week off. When you're off, you're off, which I'd really like. I mean, that was as much as I liked working in a climbing gym and the role I had, It's it was always on mm. at any moment's notice, right? From, you know, the time we opened to the time we closed, let alone like, you know, the random calls I'd get at night because the wind blew a door open and the alarm went off. Right. So mm. I like had to get up and like drive over in my pajamas to the gym to see what was going on. You know, that kind of stuff, like it just, you're always on. And as much as I enjoyed it, that was one area that like took away from being able to spend the time with my family mm -hmm. and doing the things that, you know, I liked. I mean, I love being in a gym. I love climbing. It satisfied that, but you know, the time was intense. It mm -hmm. is intense. So yeah, that's why I kind of have taken that step in a different career path. And if this checks that box before the other one does, then, you know, I'll have to cross that bridge when I get to it. Um, Cause yeah, that's, that's the ultimate goal is to maximize the time we get on this planet. Cool. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. Um, I think it'd be interesting to talk to you guys about, I have a bunch of other topics here that we can get into. Um, 
you're both fans of climbing as a sport. I think it'd be mm. interesting to hear your mm -hmm. thoughts on like where climbing's at and what you're excited about. Mm -hmm. But before we move on from that, what else what else should we talk about as far as Ocelot goes? Are there other things, topics or ideas um, that feel important that we haven't touched on yet? I mean, we covered a lot. We did. Um, we'd love to hear from people. Yeah. Rich at Ocelot Grips, Joey at Ocelot Grips, you know, send us your thoughts. Um, I mean, again, we're genuinely trying to like talk to people and make relationships as through this process. And the more we can do that, the better. But I mean, holds wise, I think, I hope people, I hope people get the opportunity to climb on them and, you know, enjoy them the way that we do. And if they, you know, if listening to this conversation helps them connect with them in a, in a way that, you know, maybe is a little more nuanced then all the better, um, versus cool. just like an, another climbing hold. Do you, you have know? gyms? Are there gyms out there that have like an especially large number of your holds that people can be on the lookout for if they, if they're locals and climb at those gyms? Or? Um, yes. Bend Endurance Academy in Bend, <laughs> Oregon, <laughs> where we happen to be sitting. <laughs> 50%. Yeah. That's pretty good saturation. Yeah. Uh, quite a bit on yeah, the west on coast, the west coast pacific Oregon. northwest I mean, specifically um yeah some in idaho uh, the commons uh, has some holds alaska rock gym was like One i think our, our first, first order yeah um cool they have uh quite a bit of our iced family and the shade theory um how did they hear about you is that was there like a just connection people, there? Uh, people i know yeah um, we have a lot of personal connections in the industry and yeah that is tremendous and you know getting the word out and we really appreciate you guys really appreciate you guys yeah <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah i mean i think that's another thing to uh, definitely want to express i mean we try to say this with all of our customers but we mean it genuinely like the gratitude when somebody it's not it's it's i, I don't want to call it elation when we get an order that comes in it's like it's a mix of elation and relief because you're really happy that it's like wow it's working people are buying it and then you're like Whew, thank God people are buying it, you know, kind of thing. And so between those two things, it's like, I want to just express a deep amount of gratitude to those, that, to the gyms that have supported us and, uh, you know, made this, frankly, they're the ones that are making this possible. You know, every order we get. Yeah, absolutely. Keeps us going and keeps us alive and moving towards the goal of, you know, better supporting ourselves and, and hopefully we can, you know, do the things that we want to do outside of just it being a business. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm also really excited to, uh, well, continue expanding some of these families. Um, I have plans to add a, another family as well. Um, we have four families right now. Um, I'd like to add one more. And I, what, what are, what are the, can you describe the themes of the, of each family? Is it is it possible to even put it into words, or do you need to kind of see the? Yeah, I, I can describe them. So the the Ice family is our dual text um, family. Um, name that name the Ice family just because of uh, I think it's so smooth and slippery. <laughs> um, and and starting out, each all four of our families they each have two series, and I, I think I mentioned that earlier. Um, so the ice family is the dual text. The shade theory is the um, the mass slopers, which are the perfect circles, uh, paired with the um, shade wedges, which are the like lemon slices. Um, and then there's the good 
the goods family, which is, yeah, the goods. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's the good, good jugs. Um, (laughs) I like that. They're just, they're good, good. Um, And then there's the all good pinches. And the theme for those uh, is they all have a um, kind of like a inside seam. um, The jugs, the seam is in the back of the jug. So you can kind of feel it with your fingers a little bit. And then the pinch, there's one seam on each side that kind of makes it, it's rounded on top. And then the, you know, fingers on one side, thumb on the other, um, kind of fit into that seam. Um, So that's the theme for that family. Um, And then there is the ergot family, um, which is a little bit more organic and flowy. Um, They have kind of pretty rounded edges. and that's that consists of the dose fins, which are like these pretty high profile, um, fairly positive fins that stick out pretty far from the wall. So they're um, really fun to just swing around on, great for steep terrain. Um, and then there's the tracer edges, which are low profile. Um, when you look at the the dose fins and the tracers um, from the, the top view, or if they were on a wall and you were looking at them from far away, they'd have a very similar footprint to them. Mm. Um, kind of triangular shaped and really rounded, um, but obviously very different uh, type of hold. One's like a low profile edge and the other one is a a big high profile pinch. Mm. Um, So that's how those families kind of work together. Um, So you can get the doses and the tracers and use them with each other on a route and they're completely different types of holds, but they're... um, they look similar aesthetically. And so um, I know a lot of setters set like that, especially for sport routes where, yeah. where, and if you're on terrain that goes from steep to vert or slab, having the same type of similar looking hold that functions really well on those different um, angles um, allows you to keep that cohesive aesthetic look um, without having to like change it up too much. Mm-hmm. So I was just, as you were describing that, I was just imagining or just picturing the, uh, the gym in St. George, Utah contact. They have like this huge hex feature and it's like mm. almost vertical to like a, I don't know, 60 degree overhang or something. And I was like, oh, I get it. Like, so you can have holds that look the same going up the vertical, mm-hmm. but then really, right. you know, juggy jugs going through the steep. Yeah, That's exactly. Cool. Um, that way you don't have to like grab three different sets I, I think there's benefits to doing both. I don't think every route should always look, always be set with the same type of holds or the same series or whatever. Um, but I know that's really nice to do sometimes, um, especially for a commercial setting. Um, so, yeah. So I'm excited about expanding on all of those. Um, and, you know, I know that you were asking us a little bit about um, our thoughts on competition setting. Um, and, you know, or climbing as a, as a competitive sport. Um, I personally would like to see how our holds perform in that, um, in that way as well. Um, I love setting for competitions, um, and I want to see what route setters can do with these holds in competitions of all different levels. Um, hopefully, hopefully, uh, you know, IFSC competition someday. That, as someone would, that who, would be rad. As yeah. a level four who can go like chief a big comp, um, can you just bring a shit ton of your own holds and be like, <laughs> we're, we're using these, you guys? Does that does that work? Or yeah, 
I mean, you, have you had a chance I mean, to I, set with your own holds in competition yet? There's not many I setter shapers that... Yeah, there's a handful out there, and I think some people do that. Um, I, I don't know if they, it's just like fully like they show up with a pallet full of holds and they're like, all right, guys, let's I mean, go. I, I mean, I, I, I kind of, well, maybe I could do that. I don't want to because I, because I, I feel like that would just be forcing uh, my own brand onto that event or that gym or whatever. And I, I want them to choose mm. that, you know? That's I, cool. Yeah. And so, sure. I mean, if someone's like, dude, I want, I want these holds for this event. Like I, I'll try to find a way to make it happen. Um, but I'm not just gonna bring a whole bunch of holds and just be like, you know, I'm using these and like, thank you. <laughs> <I don't, laughs> um, but yeah, I, I hope that people are psyched and want, want to do that. Um, Cause I, I want to see some rowdy shit. Like I want to see some Instagram posts or videos or whatever of like some cool, cool moves with these. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Rumple. Rumple is on a mission to introduce the world to better blankets. And I think they've done that. My Rumpel blanket is literally one of my favorite things I own. It's so cozy. It's like having the coziness of a puffy sleeping bag with you wherever you go. Rumpel's original puffy blanket is made of the same materials as your favorite outdoor gear. It pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a durable water repellent finish. So it's water resistant, stain resistant, and odor resistant. This thing's amazing. It'll be your new favorite blanket, whatever the circumstances, even if you just use it at the house. It's the best. Also, Rumpel has branched out and makes a ton of other amazing products. The Nanoloft travel blanket is the size of a Nalgene when packed down and can travel with you literally anywhere. And the Nanoloft flame blanket, that's the one I have, has a fire-resistant top layer so you can sit next to a campfire with your puffy blanket and not have to worry about burn holes. Amazing. I also have the Everywhere Mat. This thing is a perfect little porch for my van. It's also perfect for a picnic or for hanging out at the crag. And the Everywhere Towel is super handy as well. This thing takes up no room at all. It's a full-size towel. It's so convenient for travel. It dries super quickly. And if you're like me and live in a van, it's a total must-have. I actually got rid of my regular towel because this thing was better. I just love Rumpel. Everything they make is amazing. Go to rumpel.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to rumpel.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout. And now back to the show. Yeah, you guys are both sports fans. It was fun to kind of talk about that last night. Like, mm. Rich, you said you hadn't climbed in a while. Um, you've got kids and, yeah. you know, a bunch of other, you're becoming a freaking commercial airline pilot. So mm. you, you, you get a pass, but <laughs> I, you're just Do like, I? I'm just yeah. a sports fan. I, yeah. you, you know, you're like, I just love this because I love climbing. And in, in general, I'm just a sports fan. I think it's cool. And I could like feel that excitement for mm -hmm. the sport and, and where things are headed and, and all that. Yeah. Um, what are you guys most excited about right now as far as just like the world of competition climbing goes? Is it like 
specific athletes, up and coming people? Is it like, I don't know. I don't know. Like what, what gets you fired up or what, what are you looking forward to as far as competition climbing right now? Trends? I mean, I, I just think it's all interesting. I, I really like, you know, watching the world cups, um, specifically bouldering, um, sport is, um, still exciting for me to watch. Um, and it's getting more exciting. Um, but yeah, just watching the, the whole world cup season and, um, seeing what what the route setters are coming up with um is super fun to me i kind of nerd out on that and uh love watching reruns and especially because i can just fast forward through the, the parts when they're standing and not climbing <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah. um yeah i don't know what do you i mean i'm think? excited yeah on a number of levels i mean i i think first and foremost the fact that climbing is just gaining so much notoriety and is becoming, you know, there's pros and cons to something becoming quote unquote mainstream, right? And I mean, it's I wouldn't say it's necessarily becoming mainstream so much as it is gaining a lot of notoriety. And and you're watching, you're seeing some really cool progression in the sport. And one of the things that I enjoy about sports in general is just watching, like anything we've been talking about, right? You like you're the kind of people where that we are because we like to see things to their ultimate potential and watching somebody do that physically in a dis in any discipline. Right. I think is so, so interesting and so cool. So getting to watch, you know, the sport progress in that way to where it's pretty ridiculous, mm-hmm. like the, the level at which they're climbing, mm-hmm. especially when you equate it to, we were talking about this last night, you know, you were in Rocklands and, some of the young bucks, right. That are on the competition scene, yeah. you know, come down and they're flashing in a day V 11, 12, 13, and then doing 14 in like a go or two. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like, that's unbelievable in bad conditions In back. Yeah. Right. In bad conditions. It's in, in, yeah. So I think, wild. I think terrible it's terrible skin. Yeah. I think God. it's, I think it's anyway. wild. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. I think that's super cool to see. I think on another level, you know, I think it's really cool to see the United States progressing the way it has in the last few years where we've got some really top tier athletes now competing on the international stage. And it's really fun. It's cool to be a fan, right? It's like, it, it, it was for a while there, it was like fun to just watch because you're just watching climbing and it's fun to watch. Right now it's like, I'm, I'm like a little more personally invested. It's like, come on, Brooke, come on. <laughs> Jesse, like you want to see, yeah, right. You want to see uh, Colin, you know, take it to the top. It's like really fun to watch U.S. athletes performing at a high level and competing and really competing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoy that. And I think the other thing that's really fun too is the way the disciplines are now. I, I, I don't think anybody was a big fan and I understand why the IFSC did what it did to combine all three sports to get into the Olympics. Yeah. Um, for Tokyo. Yeah. For Tokyo. Um, and now that they've now been able to break apart speed, speed from, and now it's yeah. just bouldering and lead as a combined event. I think the way they've done that now produces some really fun spectating and it's really exciting. And it's not necessarily like a gimme so much anymore, especially if you watch the last world championships it was a really exciting competition to watch. Like mm-hmm. it was riveting all the way to the end. 
And the athlete, uh, Jesse Pills, for example, on the female side that won, um, like it was, and Jakob actually won on the male side too, I think. I think Jakob and Jesse won male, or no, Yanya won, Jesse got second. Yeah. And, but it was kind of like, you didn't expect it, mm. right? You kind of thought, uh, you I thought, mean, I expected Yanya to win. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry, sorry, you did. You didn't, well, you didn't expect, you didn't expect Jesse Pills to like, she like, produce, she got really high on the, on the sport route and it was like, whoa, cool. Like, you just didn't expect it. It just created mm -hmm. a really, it was not like a, a one dimensional kind of competition anymore. Yeah, yeah. It was like fun to just see the whole thing transpire and there are all the scenarios that could part that could happen. And I think that's really exciting as a sports fan. It's just, it's makes the sport really exciting to, to watch mm -hmm. and be a part of. And, um, and the production value has gotten incredibly good, mm -hmm. especially if it's in Japan or Europe. <laughs> like it's like it's pretty amazing some of the footage that they're able to get now mm. so yeah super cool yeah it is i think my favorite thing about where climbing's headed is is kind of what you're touching on like you know we're we're kind of exiting the age of having like a clear obvious number one you know like forever mm. it was at least for americans forever it was chris sharma he's the mm -hmm. goat you know like he's untouchable and mm -hmm. then Adamandra took the torch and like Adamandra is the best in the world. And now we're kind of at this phase where like maybe Adam still is, but there's a lot of contenders. Like a lot of people are approaching yeah. that, you know, yeah. that that 9B plus 9C level for roots. And it's happening in the competitions. Like mm -hmm. Yanya is still super dominant, but yeah, like how much longer is that going to last? You know, like right. there's some amazing up and coming women that are going to mm -hmm. um, compete with her. And it's just, it's like, it's so cool when when there is a um, a really dominant person like that, you know. It's really inspiring and it's awesome, yeah. but it's it's more exciting when there's um, a challenge. Totally. There's a challenge. Yeah. You just don't know who's going to yeah, take it. Yeah, a dark it. horse, it could, so to speak. Yeah, it could be anybody, sort of thing. It's mm -hmm. really cool. So, mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, there was like nine years in a row, simultaneously. I think every year where Daniel Woods and Alex Puccio won nationals, <laughs> like nine years in a row, both of them, like, yeah. It does that I don't know if that'll happen again. Yeah, probably not. But yeah, um, yeah like you're saying, like it's now uh, kind of more people's. Uh, there's there's more options, and yeah, it's kind of anybody's game. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's cool. So, yeah, yeah, and the and the the investment that's going into the sport as a result of that, I think, is really exciting too. It's so interesting to think about what it's what climbing is going to become, um, because you know old school climbers think that it's already like sold out and it's already this like commercialized thing. But if you compare it to like, you know, it's interesting to have some of these conversations um, in, in Rocklands recently. Like if you compare it to skateboarding, you know, there's still mm -hmm. not nearly as much money as in it as there is in skateboarding or snowboarding or any of these things that were fringe. Right. Um, it's not even anywhere near, you know, any of the professional athletics that we watch on Sundays, you know, in, in the States, like football, basketball, yeah. baseball, like our athletes don't make yeah. a fraction of that much money. Yeah. I don't know if they should, I, I don't know, but, yeah. um, but I'm like, is it, could climbing get there? Like, that's really interesting to think about. Like, what is it going to look like in another decade? Yeah. I don't know. There, some, some countries take their, climbing very seriously mm -hmm. um, and some other athletes are like 
really yeah. well known. Yeah. They're um, national heroes mm-hmm, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I mean, so I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of hard to imagine what that could look like globally, but I don't know. I don't have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> How often um, can you think of like specific, going back to what you said about, you know, being a spectator and being a fan and, and like watching the root setting and being excited to see what they come up with. Are there specific boulder problems or moves that like really, really stand out to you that were just so mind blowing at the time or um, novel or unique or just became like super classic or do you I think mean, so? I remember, I remember seeing the, um, what was that? That quadruple paddle. I was going to say, when did you see your first paddle move? Because I don't was, remember the first paddle <laughs> move, but I remember that quadruple paddle. At, Nationals. Uh, no, no, no. This is a World Cup over in, um, I'm trying to remember the gym. What's the gym with the, the really low roof? Um, like, oh, like a foot off the ground. Oh, Maringen. A, yeah, Maringen. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was there. Um, and uh, yeah. I, think it may have been Tomoa. I'm pretty sure he was on that. And I just remember seeing that and I was like, holy shit, we are, I mean, we are getting further and further from uh, a crimpy face climb at Smith, <laughs> you know, it's, it's pretty wild and yeah. it, it's exciting to watch. It's fun. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. Cause you, I mean, you started as, did you start as a rock climber? Yeah. Do you, um, yeah, since I was a kid. Do you, um, do you have any sort of like conflicted feelings about about competition climbing moving further towards you know coordination jumping like commitment parkour style versus? I I like all that stuff. Yeah, I enjoy setting that. I it's enjoy more climbing exciting to watch. It. It's I, I get fun why to they watch. Do it. It's, yeah, I, I I set like that often when I'm setting for competitions. Um, but it can go too far. I mean, I. I've, I've seen some events where it's just like way too much of that and it gets a little old. If they can't do the moves, then it's a lot of, a lot of, uh, time of the athletes standing on the ground. Um, so I, I think like, just like in a normal commercial gym, you need diversity and I think you should, you know, test the athletes in as many ways as possible. Um, so I don't think there should be too much of that, but I think a little bit of it is great. I think it's, yeah, I think it's awesome. Anything else we should talk about as far as competition climbing? The I mean, future well, of climbing, I, the future I of was, our sport. I was going to say earlier when uh, Rich and I were both at the gym here, we put on, I don't know, dozens of different events, um, local events, regionals, divisionals, um, and Boulder open, Brawls, and Bo- open Boulder Pro. Bash. Yeah, like Summer Comp, Summer comp yeah. Boulder, Boulder Brawl. Um, I don't know. We probably did 50, 60 competitions, maybe, maybe more. Uh, and it's, (laughs) I mean, I think I've got, yeah, I think we've done, I've done 15 USAC youth events, I think. Wow. But it, I think that is just the, the most fun. Yeah. Like the, it's a great cat and mouse game of the setters trying to, you know, do their best to provide the, the most fun for the athletes, a great show for the crowd, spectators, and uh, trying to do it all, um, all at the same time, and wrap it all into one package. Uh, you know that Grand Slam competition where 
you know, he'd get full separation with the athletes and there's some really fun moments that are memorable for the, for the crowd and for the competitors. And, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, it's super exhilarating and, um, it, it's just the most fun. Mm. And so that's why I enjoy watching these events because I know what it's like yeah. and I know what goes into these events and I yeah. know how, how small that needle is that they're trying to thread and to try to split these athletes. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, man, I marvel at that crazy. every time. I'm like, how did they manage yet again to make a sport route that Yanya topped, you know, number this number two person got like most of the way up. Yeah, the next yeah, person yeah. fell a little lower. The next, they're, I'm just they're like, professionals. God damn. But it's yeah. so impressive. Yeah. It's, it's a uh, very difficult and it takes a whole team of people and a lot of, you know, they, they go over each move and yeah. double, triple, quadruple, check them all. And, um, <laughs> okay. Third time. That was it. I'm done. I'm going to take my ring off next time. Just, Move that table. Seriously. My God. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it doesn't always work though. And I like to give the setters some grace when that happens. It's, mm. it's difficult. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I've screwed up plenty of times in competitions and uh, it's fine, but it doesn't feel good. <laughs> but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it happens. It happens. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I have one more topic unless unless we want to close the loop on anything. I just think it'd be interesting to wrap up. Um, you guys have so much wisdom between the two of you. Um, you know, you especially with don't count yourself yeah, out. I was gonna of say, this one. yeah, you're really good at this. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I, yeah, I'm not, I wasn't fishing for compliments, but <laughs> no, I know. But specifically, like this is what I do. I'm like I'm mining for nuggets right now. Mm. It's like let's get some good stuff that people can take away. You have so much experience with root setting and shaping. Um, I think it'd be interesting to hear if you have like one to three um, things that you wish root setters spent more time thinking about or things you wish you had learned earlier, things along those lines, tips, whatever. Yeah. And then same for you. And it can be, I don't know if it's like, if it's business stuff, like whatever comes to mind, managing a gym, um, Sure. You, you were so good at managing the gym. I, di I didn't say that earlier, but it was, I, I well, really, I second that. Yeah. Yeah. I really, thank you. I mean, I lived there through that whole process. When I first mm. moved to Bend, you know, it was a third of the size that that gym is now, Bend mm. Rock Gym. And um, you, you didn't work there yet. And I saw it grow so much mm -hmm. and, and really blossom. Um, wow. So, yeah, credit to, to thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And to you, because you were setting banger roots that yeah. whole time. That's the secret live there. It takes, a, it takes a village. But yeah, yeah, I just think it'd be interesting if, if anything comes to mind um, for each of you to share one, two, three things that other people that are in similar positions might be able to benefit from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I what I've learned over the years is that one important thing that I've learned over the years is no matter what, I put on the wall or what I shape or whatever, like some people are going to like it and some people are not going to like it. And, you know, we touched on it earlier about watching people climb and trying to get that feedback, but, um, yeah, just try to try to give yourself some slack. Um, when somebody doesn't like a route and the same thing, if someone's like praising your route, like 
I guess it's, it's, um, cause it goes both ways. I mean, you, you can't just choose to ignore, um, people's criticisms, um, but then also accept their praises. Um, but because it's going to be like all across the board. And so I, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is just, I've, I've learned to just try to take it all with a grain of salt and focus on, um, what I see, um, from watching people climb, um, versus what people tell me. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. Um, also like when it comes to setting routes, I, I know that with a lot of creative processes, um, you know, you guys have all heard of writer's block or whatever, where you just kind of can't get started. Um, you're having trouble thinking of ideas or whatever. Um, I think it was maybe Molly Beard that said this Shout one out time. To Molly Beard. Molly, yeah. Actually, it's Molly funny. I, Beard. I just interviewed Steph Murr, and and Steph was like, "You should have Molly Beard on the show." And I was like, "Holy shit, <sighs> Molly!" Should. I reached out to her. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll circle back to that. But I was like, "We'll Holy text shit, her after this." Molly. <laughs> Molly <laughs> taught do it. a setting clinic that I was at when I was um, like a nineteen-year-old kid at Western Washington, like mm. me and a few other coworkers, and. It was a whole brand new world to me, and she was so awesome. And yeah. I was like, "Holy, I would love she, to have her on." She so, is awesome. Yeah, I didn't mean to Super interrupt cool. you, but I reached out to her, and um, she's very busy right now. But she was really sweet, so I'll, I'll follow up with her. But yeah, you should. Yeah, yeah I mean, she—I've worked with her dozens of times, and she has tons of little nuggets of wisdom. Um, and yeah, I remember one time we were setting for some event or I don't, I don't even know what it was. Um, but she was talking with, uh, another setter there and she, she said, I just overheard her saying like, you know, like don't take more than like 10 seconds or whatever, just like put something on the wall and then like move on from that. Um, you can always come back and change it. You can always like make an adjustment. Um, but just like get started, you know, like, yeah. even and and there's no right especially with with route setting there's no like there's no right or wrong move the, obviously there's like different styles and different opinions and different sizes and stuff so yeah you need to tweak things to fit whatever your your goal is for the gym or whatever your head setter would like to see or the owners or whatever but like whether you have a hold as a side pull or a Gaston or you have a little pop move or whatever, like those are all, they're all great. Like one of them isn't, one isn't bad and mm-hmm. the other one good. It's just, they're just things that people are doing. Mm-hmm. And so like making a decision and then like make it so that you don't spend forever just like humming and hawing, mm-hmm. um, I think is really, has been really helpful for me to just like, start generating ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if that makes sense. No, but, it makes a um, ton of sense. It, it's interesting because again, I'm I'm like resonating with a lot of what you're saying. It's really similar. I think what I'm hearing between those two things that you shared, they're, they're totally connected. Um, it's so helpful for me with the podcast. Like if I go into a conversation thinking like, this has to be like the best conversation ever, or this has to be a perfect interview and everyone has to like it that's so overwhelming and crippling and, totally. and I'm just going to freak out. But if mm-hmm. I think to myself, there's no such thing as a perfect conversation because that's mm-hmm. not how conversations work. 
And I just have to like do my best to listen and be present and like, you know, ask thoughtful questions to this person and like respect who they are and all that. And also guaranteed not everyone's going to like it. You know, mm -hmm. like if 10% of my audience loves it, that's amazing. And, you know, hopefully I'll hit on like a different 10% with different episodes and it'll add up to being a show that a lot of people want to listen to. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was actually something that um, I learned from Tim Ferriss that was super helpful, just setting that expectation that like, the way he frames it is like, if everyone likes something that you do, it's probably not that interesting. It's probably not substantial, mm -hmm. you know? Like it's probably very vanilla and like palatable. You, and, you gotta be a little polarizing. Yeah. And stick to what you believe in. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I think people respect that. Yeah, and, and it, yeah, if you stick to what, you're belie what you believe in, someone's gonna have a different belief and it's gonna piss them off, but like that's, that, yeah. that's okay, yeah. Just like a lot of people hate running jumps. <laughs> yeah. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cool. But yeah, and at, at the end of the day, like every boulder I've ever set, aside from the dozen that are on the wall right here in the gym, they're all gone. <laughs> they, none of them exist anymore. And so like, I don't know, I remind myself of that and it kind of helps take the pressure off. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just, it helps me, it helps remind me that it's just like, you know, because they are so short lived, it helps me try that much harder to, to do as best as I can, as the best job that I can, but not to like overthink it. Yeah. Yeah. They're going to be, they're going to be gone. Yeah. Another th Molly Beard uh, quote, uh, they're sandcastles, <laughs> you know, build them and then sea takes them away. So. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's interesting. Like you shaped my climbing experience at that gym for years, like you and your team. Um, and it was a great experience and like, thank you for, for that. But I, I also can't remember a single specific boulder <laughs> or, or move, you know, like, but yeah. it was great. It was, it you was really some, high quality. Some memory and it, back there and it's like, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great experience. I like really, I, I really think you, you nailed it. And it like, I mean, it like really had a huge impact on me in my life living here, you know, it was great. That, that's that's um, awesome Cause I've climbed in like yeah. crappy gyms that aren't nailing the setting and it like, it's really hard to have a, a good time or to train effectively or warm up effectively or anything if the setting's off. So I, I mm. really recognize that like, that was a huge part of, of my experience. But yeah, like if you said a weird move that I didn't like, I can't remember, so. I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> Ever. <laughs> I mean, that's that diversity. Mm. Like you need to have diversity in climbing gyms yeah and route setting and shaping and competition who's setting like there should just be a, a lot of diversity and um i think that is that'll help you on your way to success and no matter what you're doing if you keep it diverse right on okay that was like seven nuggets that's great <laughs> that's plenty do you have stuff i mean it's kind of in line with with what we're all talking about right now i think the thing that I've learned through working at Bend Rock Gym and now this business is there's a lot of different means to the same end, right? We all want to be successful. We all want to produce quality product. If we're in business, we want to produce quality product or service, right? There's a lot of different ways to do it. 
And I think it's easy to sometimes, especially in today's day and age, with the media landscape we live in, with social media, YouTube, there's a lot of people out there that are projecting the right way mm. or the way. And I'll use a tangible analogy, like I talked about going to our manufacturer. They're producing a fantastic product, in my opinion, and I think in a lot of people's opinion. But you go into their facility and it's it's you're not taken aback. You're just, it's very much like you can tell they figured out the way to do it that worked for them and they can repeat it and it works every time, right? They could have spent millions of dollars creating precision cast parts and all of these things, right? And they maybe would get 1% better and it would look like this super sophisticated high-tech facility and, you know, but why? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's the thing that I'm reminding myself of constantly in this project and all of the things I do. It's like, there's not just one way to accomplish a goal. And we're all different and we all have different ways of seeing the world and solving problems. And that's our biological makeup. So I, I think that's that's like, that's kind of my, if, that, if there's a nugget in that, it's like, you know... <laughs> <laughs> I hope I hope people yeah nuggets that's that's my one thing is like you know don't be afraid to find your way to do something and and you know trust that and spend time working on it and that's something that we spend a lot of time on with Ocelot is like yeah we want to we want to make it easier to process an order okay how can we do that within the means that we have you know I like the other analogy it's like you there's five star French restaurants right and then there's food trucks and they both produce super great food. And when you look behind the hood, it's like, you know, one looks like a, this insane French kitchen and the other one is like a food truck, but the people are just as passionate and they've got their systems dialed and they're producing a fantastic product. Why? And they're not, the two are completely different from what you see, but the end is the same. And so that's, yeah, I think that's a, super cool thing that I've learned. And and we had to say, we tried to do the same thing at the gym, right? It was our clientele, our community was different than another community. So everything we tried to do, tried to fit that community, try to fit those, those people and make their experience better. And I don't know, I think we did a pretty decent job of doing that. And, but we looked a lot different than, and we operated a lot differently than I think a lot of other gyms did as a result. So those are, I don't know if that made sense. That's great. Yeah, it made sense. You managed to piss off people that are into fine dining, I'm sure. But well, I don't know. <laughs> there's some I chef mean, out there like, it is not the same. same I mean, I like both. I, I can say that because I am somebody that appreciates both. Like, to yeah. a great deal. No, I, you made a great point. I'm yeah. just, yeah. I'm just giving <laughs> you shit. Yeah. Um, what's next for Ocelot? And where can people find you? <sighs> Ocelotgrips.com. Yep. Instagram, obviously, we're on the gram. At Ocelot Grips. At Ocelot Grips. And putting out content. Um, if we knew how to do TikTok, we should probably do that. <laughs> I Maybe. should learn, not, I not, should learn not some dances. I just don't think, there, I don't think that many climbers are over there. We tried that with the Nugget, Stevie, my, my you know, the person that helps me with uh, with my Instagram. We, we tried that and it, no, just like, it just didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. yeah. I read a really interesting business case study of these guys at Back East started a cookie company and their whole goal was to do the entire thing via TikTok. 
Wow. And it's Did- not like a multi-million dollar business. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like partially like kind of mad about because I'm like, really? You somehow... I makes you feel a little I, I don't want to do that. I do. I'm just, yeah. 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 Good for them. Good for them. Yeah, right? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Anyway. That doesn't, uh, that doesn't pass pass my hedgehog yeah. test. Yeah. It's not something I love. Yeah. Yeah. Also, not good at it, raising my hand. Not good at TikTok, TikTok or cookies yeah. or social media in general. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm personally not even on social media, so. Mm. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I followed you, but I guess you'll I guess you'll never follow me back. I think I, I probably follow you too, but I, I don't watched have that app or anything. You. <laughs> yeah. You watched yeah. me hit the button. I watched him hit the button to follow you. Mm, cool. Thanks yeah. for doing this, you guys. Thanks for yeah. having us. This yeah, is super fun. Yeah, it's yeah. so much fun. Yeah. yeah. It's really good to get to know you both better and and um yeah, to just close not close the loop. I, I'm excited to see what where things go from here, but just to circle back after Six years later, after that conversation, and um, see what you've built. That's really exciting, and I wish you both the best. Yeah, I think thanks, you're killing man. it, and making really cool stuff, and I hope people check it out. And um, yeah, I'm just excited to see where it goes. Yeah, thanks, thanks man. Thanks for having us, and uh, yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. And uh, also really great to see what you've done with with the podcast yeah. and uh, thank yeah. you, the Nugget. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I know. I, threw that in there really quick, but I really do think that you do an amazing job and that's um, really well put together. So um, yeah, yeah, we appreciate you having us on. Thanks. It's a cool way to stay connected with the community. Yeah. I love listening. I mean, yeah, it's super cool to listen to everybody because there's people, these, this is another cool thing about climbing. I mean, you definitely have like high profile climbers and athletes that you see and it's just like you're seeing LeBron James or something, right? <laughs> But then it's like, you know, it's like a lot of the, a lot of these episodes, it's like, wow, I've actually like seen this person mm-hmm. at the crag before. And it's so cool to actually hear them talk and share that. I mean, it's equally as cool to hear the elite, you know, the very high profile yeah. climber talk too. But yeah, it's just, it's a super neat way to, you know, just get more nuggets and, and hear. <laughs> connect with friends. Connect with friends. Yeah. yeah and and yeah. stay connected. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So thank yeah. you. Well, yeah, let's do it again in a few years. Once cool. you guys are, once you guys have well, quit all your other jobs. Well, let's know if we made it. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you'll never even do that Rich flight to Tokyo. Out there. <laughs> we can do it from the sky. I don't know. We'll <laughs> broadcast from the cockpit. That'd be amazing. Oh, let's make it happen. Yeah. That'll be my first podcast in, in the yeah. air. For all those aviation people out there, they'd be like, that's Mile a high idea. nugget. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let's let these people go. Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> We'll see you next time. Adios. Hey, friends, before you go, quick shout out to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, you can find links to all of our sponsors and you can see the coupon codes for their products in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or just by scrolling down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to get great deals on some of my favorite products. So check them out. Scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. And as always, I put tons of goodies in the show notes. So for this episode, you can find links to all the things, videos and books we talked about, 
related podcast episodes, my guests' links, etc. You can find all of that stuff conveniently linked for you at thenuggetclimbing.com. Just find this episode and all of the show notes will be there, including timestamps so you can scroll around and find some of the best nuggets from this interview if you want to listen to those sections again. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I do have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes. They're called follow-ups that I've published so far with past guests from the show. Those bonus episodes are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You can get access to all of those and ad-free episodes and more for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing to learn more. There's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of the support. Happy climbing. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next time.